Missionary Chats, Episode 3, for May 16, 2010. Culture Shock, Part 1, with Lemoyne Cunningham. In this episode, I'm talking with Lemoyne Cunningham. She is a missionary that I interviewed previously. She and her husband, Bill and Lemoyne, they have been missionaries for many years in uh, several different countries. If you have not heard the interview with Bill and Lemoyne, theirs is episode number 74 at missionarytalks.com. I talk with Lemoyne in this episode about culture shock, and so I want to get right into that. It actually is a two-part interview because of the interview being so long. I'm going to cut this not quite in half, and this first part is much longer than the second part, so I'm not going to have a lot of introduction or any, uh, much at the end, but listen to this part, and then in a week or so, I'll upload the second part of that and then talk to you about some different resources that can be a help to you. So this is a little bit longer of an episode, and then the next time, it'll be shorter, and I'll be able to add some more information onto that. Today I'm talking with Lemoyne Cunningham. I, I interviewed her before on uh, Missionary Talks. Lemoyne and I wanted to talk about culture shock. Uh, to start off with, Lemoyne, can you define for us what is culture shock? Maybe not a, a dictionary definition, but what does it mean for the missionary? Well, you know, most people think of cultural shock as being shocked by sights that you see or things you experience when you get to a foreign field. But um, culture shock is not really that. I really prefer the term culture fatigue because you might be shocked by sights that you see when you first get to a, a foreign field, especially in an underdeveloped country. Now, in the developed nations, you don't experience that much culture shock. You do, but it's not as severe. But you'll be shocked by sights that you see, uh, diseases, uh, poverty, um, um, all of these things that uh, that you have to endure in a foreign country. Uh, in an underdeveloped country. But culture shock or culture fatigue is really a state of mind that a missionary starts to live in. Because when you first get to a field, you see everything and you think, oh, okay, um, this is the mission field and this is the way they live so I can deal with this. And you're kind of prepared for that because you know things are going to be different. When you're first going, you're scared and, and you know, you think... You know that it's going to be different, so um, you're not so shocked at first. But cultural shock is really after you live in a country for a while that's so different. The language is different. The customs are different. Uh, the people are very trying in an underdeveloped country that you're not used to. So after you live there, I, I would say that actually cultural shock really starts maybe six months after you live in a country. And you become tired. You don't understand the language. You may be studying the language, but you still don't understand it. And studying the language frustrates you even more. And uh, you don't know if people are talking about you, and they usually are. But uh, you go into a store to shop, and it's not like walking into Walmart, and you can go to the delicatessen and order a, uh, a pound of sliced turkey or ham. Uh, you don't you don't go up to the meat counter and, and buy a chicken that's all nicely wrapped and, and FDA inspected. And, and, you know, everything is different. And everything is, um, is a, uh, a chore. It's laborious. It's here. It comes natural. You know, everything here just comes natural. We're used to our culture. We're used to our customs. We're used to our language, our speech, everything. But when you walk into a place where you're not used to 
any of their customs and you're going to do things that offend them and you can't uh, shop like we shop here um, you deal with the uh, the traffic that's just maddening uh, and in an underdeveloped country you've got to deal with people that are trying to steal from you and lie to you and that's just their way of life and if I was from that nation I'd be doing the same thing for survival but for us these things and the disease and, and I know when we were in Africa uh, I had to have our house girl to scrub the floor every day with a strong disinfectant because my children were babies uh, and I had my son was born there so I was so afraid of disease because there's every disease known to man and uh, so if you if you get sick that can really cut your ministry short so anyway all of these things and and dealing with the government all of these things after a while begin to wear on your nerves and then you get irritated with the people you get angry you think I hate these people why am I even here and then you feel guilty because you think you're unspiritual and uh, uh, here I am a missionary and and I'm feeling this way about the people and uh, all of these things start to work on you then and uh, you don't understand what's happening and you feel like well if I if I can't love the people any more than this maybe I shouldn't even be here and in the meantime, you dare not let people at home know how you're feeling because they'll think, oh, they're a missionary and they have this kind of an attitude. But, you know, I want people to know we missionaries are just human. We hurt, we cry, uh, we get angry. We have all the emotions that anyone has. And the only difference that uh, in us and someone here at home, God's called us to go to a foreign country. That doesn't make us a super saint or super spiritual. I mean, sure, we should be spiritual and we should be walking in the flesh. I mean, in the spirit, not in the flesh. But it doesn't make us perfect. We're just sinners saved by grace. But all these things start wearing on a, a person when they're in one of these countries. You don't even have to be a missionary. I mean, the State Department people, military, all of them have the same reaction. But uh, if you're not careful, it can really ruin your ministry, and and I think that uh, that's what that's what drives a lot of missionaries home after their first term, because I think it takes a whole term on the field before you can adapt and sort of get over culture shock or fatigue, and uh, many missionaries resign after that first term, whereas if they would come home, rest, recuperate, refresh, and go back, they would find it not so difficult the next time. When I first heard about culture shock and the way the way it affects the missionary and such, I thought, well, the missionary just needs to grow up and get over it. Mm -hmm. um, that that he needs to be mature and and get beyond that. And and it is a real thing. It is something that that many folks struggle with, and not just missionaries, like you said. Uh, I know I know that there's people in different uh, consulates that I went to language school with. They struggled with some of the thing, same things I did, and they they weren't there as missionaries. They were there, and they were getting paid well, but yet they still struggle with that culture fatigue. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you know about six months or, or whatever and i'm sure i'm sure there's there's all kinds of different times for people it didn't take us six months <laughs> to get to that fatigue stage uh, we we went to language school and we 
struggled mm-hmm. at the end of four, four and a half months. We were really struggling emotionally. And mainly for us is we didn't feel like we had any close friends. Mm-hmm. And I know different missionaries in different situations. When we actually went to the field and we got into our ministry, that was not an issue. In fact, we didn't even struggle the four years we were in Mexico for our ministry. Culture culture shock, culture fatigue, none of that bothered us. We had We had lots of good missionary friends there. Not every missionary has a network. We were in a city of a million people, and there were several other good missionaries there that we could fellowship with. But not every missionary has that. And for us in language school, for those few months, we didn't have those friends. And we, we didn't have people we could just pick up the phone and, and call and such. And so it, it really was a struggle. You and your your family, y'all have traveled from different countries because of political situations, having to leave one place and another. Did you experience culture shock in every country you went to, or was it just some countries seemed to be worse than others? I think I experienced culture shock in every country, but um, like in Australia, of course, they spoke a form of English, <laughs> so um, and their standard of living was pretty much as ours is. Thinking is entirely different, so you experience a little bit there. But <clears throat> of course, I experienced more cultural shock in the underdeveloped countries, which Australia is not underdeveloped. Um, I think, as you said, part of the culture fatigue comes through loneliness. Another thing, though, if you have a lot of missionaries around you, you've got to be careful who you associate with. Because uh, if if you're experiencing culture fatigue, and maybe they've been on the field for a while, and they're deep into culture fatigue, and if you get around them, then you're all going to get negative, and you're all going to complain about things. And, uh, you know... um, a negative attitude is as contagious as the measles. So you've got to be careful about being around those negative missionaries. And and if you complain too much, then the positive missionaries don't want you around. So, you know, it's it's really difficult to um, to hit that happy medium to where you can deal with it without, like you said, most of them will say, oh, just grow up, you know, because I don't, and I don't know why they do that, because every missionary goes through it. But some missionaries are more... Um, spiritual than me maybe because they won't admit that they have any problems and I don't mind admitting that I have weaknesses and have problems but um, I don't know but you've got to be careful of your associations but I think loneliness contributes to it if you're in a place where you know everyone needs to vent whether it's here or on the foreign mission field we need someone that we can confide in and just release our frustrations to so if you have that person then that helps a little bit. And they can say, I, I know as older missionaries, when we've been on the field, we've seen new missionaries deep in culture shock and fatigue. And uh, one young man said uh, he came into our house in, in Romania. And uh, he hung his head and he said, I hate these people. I don't know why I'm even here. And we laughed and we said, you're just experiencing culture shock. And this will pass. Just be encouraged because it will pass. Well, if you have someone that who can... Uh, reinforce that idea and comfort you a little bit. It helps a lot because you don't know what's happening to you. You think, why am I feeling this way? And, and of course, the, uh, Satan brings on the guilt and the discouragement and, and all that. And, um, and sometimes you take it out on your spouse. If you're in culture shock, you, you start bickering in the home. Uh, and you don't know what's happening, but you get mean and irritable. <laughs> but uh, y- you do need someone that you can vent to. 
we had, uh, like I said, we had other missionaries that we could lean on. Two of the missionaries particularly had been there for more than 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so they, they both understood, and they were both older. Mm -hmm. um, one couple's the same age as my parents, and, and we were able to look to them for that help. And again, not every missionary has that situation where they have older missionaries, experienced missionaries that they can be with. But I think one of the things that can help missionaries if they do get friends like that. Mm -hmm. I remember one day we were in, in the uh, uh, hamburger place there in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I got my food and I turned around and was just shocked to see my wife standing over there talking to a guy. Not, not that not that, that was anything wrong, but my wife's not the outgoing, go up and just chat with people in the middle of the restaurant. But here was another white guy in the restaurant. He spoke English and they struck up a conversation. And so we went over there and come to find out this family had moved to the town where we were at the same time we did mm -hmm. within a week of each other we moved there and he and his wife they were really struggling mm -hmm. and they latched on to us and while while we weren't um, in agreement doctrinally mm -hmm. he found a friend in us mm -hmm. and and they needed somebody that could just love them and fortunately we weren't struggling and so we didn't spiral into that Oh, I, I hate all the Mexicans. I hate everything they do. We didn't, we didn't get into that because we were, we had already experienced it in language school. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to be a help to them. The reason I wanted to talk about this today is so that you and I can kind of share a missionary's perspective of what goes on on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the listeners, I'm wondering if there's anything that you can recommend beyond just raising the awareness and letting people back home know that they can pray for their missionary and that their missionary will go through this. What what else can um, can the person back home do maybe to encourage the missionary and help them through this time? Well, now, you know, communication is so much easier with uh, email and um, Skype and, and uh, all these things. And even phone calls are, are cheaper. When we first went to Ethiopia, a phone call was unheard of. And you might get on ham radio once in a while and make a, a crackly contact with the states. But now uh, I think it's wonderful with the email. And I think people back here, uh, first of all, I want to reiterate that missionaries are just human. They have their weaknesses. And um, they're going to experience those weaknesses because especially Satan is going to put them in positions where they will be weak. So understand that your missionaries are human and they're going to have struggles that they'll go through. And then um, it might help for, for you to, if you're a friend of a missionary, just say, hey, I know maybe you're going to have problems with culture shock when you get to the field. You know, I, I've studied a little bit about culture shock and, and you might experience this. And so if you need to vent, if you just need somebody to talk to, uh, then send me an email or, or uh, call me on Skype if you have, have that or whatever, and, uh, and I'll just be a sounding board. Just tell me what you're feeling, you know, just let out your frustrations. Sometimes if we just vent these frustrations, it helps, you know, it's just to get them out of our system. And so um, people might do that. Uh, and, and just tell the missionary, hey, you know, this is, uh, from what I've heard, this is normal, so this will pass, and, and just be an encouragement that way, or email them, even daily, and just encourage them and say, hey, what's happening today, uh, and, and uh, just be a friend to them. 
I, I know I've talked to churches and people in churches, particularly pastors I've talked to, they say, well, you know, I'm afraid of bothering the missionary. I'm afraid of of inundating with too much uh, questions and, and phone calls and stuff. I can tell you from my experience, I've never had too many phone calls. <laughs> I've never had too many emails sent my way. I've never had too many letters uh, that I've received. And I even even today, of course, Email is great. You get it instantly. But we get we get Christmas cards and birthday cards from different churches, and, and we like that. It's exciting to go to the mailbox and, and get a card and, and pick up a letter that's, a, you know, somebody took the time to write a letter. And, and I'm, I'm a young person, and I love my email, but I still enjoy seeing a real letter written out. And I think if the listeners could just write a letter to their friend and and just let them know that they're praying for them or or that email the email's fine phone call is fine i've got a friend that every time i call him for when i'm on the field and we're good friends we spend a lot of time together when we're in the states uh when i call we talk on the phone for 3 hours at a time uh, because we just enjoy each other's uh, fellowship but he never calls me he never initiates the phone call. I'm the one that has to do it. And, and I feel like, and I know, I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, you know, I don't know when it's a bad time. Well, if it's a bad time, I'll let you know. Um, so don't, don't feel bad about calling your missionary friend, especially if you're, if you're close friends, you know, continue that friendship because he's going through things there on the field that you'll never understand. And that's fine. But you're also going through things that the missionary is not going to understand unless you have a conversation and talk. And I think you said something really valuable. Allow the missionary to just say whatever. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple friends that I've told some things to that I hope nobody ever finds out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like I, in confidence I can talk to these people and tell them how, how frustrated I am with the culture and the way things are working where I'm at. And, and feel like I've got some confidence there in that person. And if you can be that friend to a missionary, then, then you ought to do that. I think that's one great thing you can do to help a missionary. Well, I think so, too. And don't judge the missionary. Don't just, just say, oh, they're sure not very spiritual. Uh, I'm thinking about a time in, uh, in Kenya when we were in Nairobi that uh, a pastor came to visit one of our missionaries. And so the missionary was taking him downtown and showing him around the sites and everything, you know. And, uh, and you know, in these underdeveloped countries, how bad the driving situation is. I mean, they drive on the medians and they drive on, they just drive however they want to. And, and it's really frustrating. So the missionary was yelling at people as he went along, you know, and um, yelling at the, the Kenyan drivers. And finally, the pastor said, well, you don't have very much compassion for these people, do you? And the missionary said, you come over here and live for a while and see how much compassion you have. So see... Because we're missionaries, people will judge us. If, if we show any weaknesses, they'll say, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You're a missionary. Well, again, we're human. And so don't judge the missionary. Let him vent, realizing that it's frustration he's, he's having to get out of his system. And uh, it will pass. And it doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. It really doesn't. Um, I mean, if we could um, just pray and get rid of it, well, then I think 99.5% of us would do that. But it's not, you know, when you're living cultural shock, you don't know what's happening to you. You don't even realize it's cultural shock. So you, 
you're irritable and you're mean sometimes, and maybe you do yell at people, but you don't realize why this is happening. So if you could get rid of it, you certainly would. It's not an enjoyable situation. <laughs> but uh, and and um, and like you said, other people should initiate some of these things because the missionary has enough to deal with in trying to learn the language and trying to learn the customs and trying to do the work. Um, you don't have time to always be calling somebody back in the states so it would help sometimes and 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 now some phone calls are really cheap like in germany you can call germany for like eight cents a minute or something i mean people could call a missionary and just chat you know be sure and realize the time difference and don't call him at two o'clock in the morning but um i think that uh, just to call and say how are you doing and and uh, we're praying for you and and the letters are good now one thing i i must this is me. Maybe I don't think like everyone, but we enjoy letters. But don't you get tired sometimes of getting letters saying, uh, asking questions about, you know, how many churches have you started and how many souls have you won? And, and uh, we're having this project and we need souvenirs and we need, we need, we need. And we don't mind that once in a while. But a lot of times when we get a letter from a church, and I'll just be honest, we think, what do they need? And they're probably thinking that when they get a missionary letter, but we think, oh boy, we have to go through all these questions. And, and I know sometimes that's important to to emphasize the mission program or something, but you don't want to just get those all the time. It'd be nice to get something just encouraging you sometimes. I think, uh, of course, any letter is is great. But you're right. The letters that are asking me to talk about my performance, if I'm going through culture shock, I'm not wanting to talk about how well I'm doing spiritually. And and of course, you're in the work. You're doing the ministry. Uh, but you you know, just the people back home need to realize sometimes that ministry doesn't go as quickly as as you think it should. Certainly, it never goes as quickly as a missionary thinks it should. And and he may be struggling emotionally. And you ask these questions: Well, how many people have you led to the Lord this week? Well, I'm just thankful I didn't kill three. Yeah. I didn't lead anybody to the Lord, but I didn't kill three, so that's a good start. Don't forget to listen to the second part of this episode. It'll be Missionary Chats number four, and I'll upload it in about a week. Thanks for listening, and please stay subscribed.